into the Lunch Meat Podcast, and this is episode 17, my 17th episode. Woo! Anyway, <laughs> so today my guest is, my special guest is a queen of mine, a very beautiful queen, and her name is Shanice Bond. How you doing, Ms. Bond? I am good this evening. Uh, it is the end of the school year, um, so I definitely feel very good, very relaxed, and very refreshed, and I'm ready for summer vacation. I feel good. Okay, so Ms. Bond, how was the school year overall? Um, it was only it's only been my second year teaching, so it's kind of still a little bit hectic. Um, they say you know once you get about five years in, then you really start to get your groove and feel comfortable. Um, but it was definitely also a very positive and a very good year for me, so I'm looking forward to next year. Okay, so today conversation we're going to talk about definitely teaching. We're going to talk about educational educational aspects, maybe some things in a. Uh, for teachers as well, that first-year teachers, second-year teachers, whatever, mm-hmm. anything that, that can basically help them out. Right. And before we start with that, tell them, like, what made you want to become a teacher? All right. So, um, you know, coming up, I had a lot of influential people in my life. Um, some of those people stuck around. Some of those people did not stick around. Um, the ones who always stuck around, I noticed, were always my teachers. Um, if you were to go through my social media today, about a third of the adults that you would find on my social media were a teacher to me um, in some way or form. They may have been a classroom teacher, a coach, or just an inspirational adult in my life who taught me something. So to me, a teacher has always been, some, or teachers have always been the most influential people in my life and the people that I've never let go of. Even sometimes when friends and family haven't been there, I know I can always count on my teachers. Um, I've always wanted to be in a career where I could serve people. And so for a while, I kind of had this like criminal justice route where I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, you know, because the typical thing, oh, you like to Mm -hmm. argue. Then I found out that wasn't for me. And that wasn't necessarily the capacity in which I wanted to serve people. Um, And then I was thinking, oh, maybe I want to do nursing school. And I love, you know, Grey's Anatomy and the medical field just as much as anyone else who is currently in the medical field but then I also just kind of stepped back and said this isn't how I really want to serve what is my calling and what is a true way in which I want to serve people what is it that I truly want to do and so for the longest time I was expected to uh, mainly because of my grades I was expected to become a doctor a lawyer some sort of scientist but the one thing I've always loved doing is giving other people information and helping to inspire them um, and helping them achieve things that may not have seemed attainable um, to them before I helped them. And that's not saying that, you know, I'm some sort of godsend, but teaching has just always kind of been my thing. Um, I was that kid in school who was a straight A student who was assigned to help other people. I was a teacher's pet. Still am. Um, And so I just kind of stepped back one day. It was the sophomore year of college. Mm -hmm. um, And I was thinking about transferring into UGA, which I eventually did. And when I got there, I was like, okay, you know, I'll do the criminal justice route one more time. And then it just didn't work out. Um, And I actually linked up with a couple of my old teachers and started shadowing them. And I got into the classroom and started helping. And then I realized that, hey, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I found my calling. And 
to me, it seems like I've tried to put, or I, at that point, I tried to put everything else before what my true calling was because I was in denial about it. I was like, there's no way I'm a teacher. No way. Um, and then it was just right in front of me the entire time. And it took my old teachers getting me to get my feet wet in the classroom to, um, you know, help me realize that, hey, this is what I want to do. And so then I did my two years of student teaching, graduated, um, and now I've been teaching for two years. And I'm actually really excited because I have a few new opportunities coming up next year, which we'll discuss later, um, that just Definitely. is showing me that this is what I'm doing, this is the right path, um, and that I know I'm making a difference. Okay, so give, give the audience examples of like different situations or different scenarios which that you change a person's life or change a student's life in a way. Um, so, uh, do you mean like personal life of the students or my personal life? Ways uh, let's in which go with both. Okay, so I'll start. I always like to start, you know, with my students. Um, you know, teaching is one of those things where there's so many different ways that you can impact students mm-hmm. that it's almost hard to recount. There are those big moments, you know, where you see your first kid. Your kids, you know, first time in a cap and gown or first time making an A. And then there are those little interactions every day that you don't even really realize that they may impact a student, Mm. but they do. And so one of those things that um, really has stuck out to me is not necessarily one interaction, but it's just an everyday thing. Um, You know, at the school I work at, the kids don't have a lot of love at home. They don't receive a lot of love. And they don't have a lot of love to give. Hmm. Um, and one of the ways that I've been most, the most like successful as a teacher is giving love, even when the kids do things that are unlovable. Um, I have no problem dapping up my kids, hugging my kids. I dance in the hallway. I dance at dismissal, as you saw a couple of days ago. Hmm. Um, okay. I, I have been known to teach 6th, 7th, 8th grade, and I teach hallway. Um, which essentially means that even if the student isn't mine, I have a great relationship, so much so that there are students that I don't teach who come to me for life problems, life advice. Uh, they come to me you know, for help with schoolwork. I've learned how to teach math. Um, there was this re- one um, kid, I can't say his name, obviously, but um, he was a struggle um, for most of the teachers at the school um and it seems like every year i kind of attract the kids who tend to have more problems um and you know don't really mesh well with other teachers and i kind of just i saw him and i was like you're you're not a terrible child like i there's some way in which i can serve you i see it i know it i don't know what it is yet but i'm gonna go for it and i started working with them Um, And, you know, every time he would get kicked out of class, I would teach him a life lesson. You know, he'd get sent to me immediately for the day, and I would teach him a life lesson. I actually ended up uh, having him fill out a college budget. And we've decided that, you know, even though he's in sixth grade now, that he's going to go to UGA. And I found out by helping him with his upcoming seventh grade math work, because I like to put my kids ahead. So he's in sixth grade, even though he's not mine, he's my kid. I gave him seventh grade math work. Um, he's going to go to UGA. He's going to be an accountant. And he loves the idea of having 
whatever you want to eat whenever you want it in an unlimited capacity. And that right there is like his motivating factor to help get him into school. So just to like see like, you know, a kid who constantly gets kicked out of class, doesn't really seem to know his way and needs some guidance to talk about college and to be as excited and elated and running around showing the teachers his um, college budget worksheet is phenomenal. And it's those moments, like a t- every teacher will tell you, they have those moments that just either stops their heart in a good way or just makes it flutter. Um, those are definitely those moments. Like I said, they are, sometimes you recognize them and sometimes you don't. And some days you feel like you haven't done it, but just know that as a teacher, you know, you are impacting the students in some way. So I think relationship building um, with all students in the school, not just the ones that I teach, um, is one of my strong suits when it comes to teaching. And it's one of the ways I feel like I fulfill my students. Um, as far as, you know, personal life goes for the kids, like I said, it's another, you know, middle school is a very volatile time in students' lives. You know, there's so many changes going on, you know, hormonal, social, physical, mental, emotional changes, you know, just crazy changes going on and so to help them navigate their personal lives and go through you know those personal triumphs or trials is really fulfilling to me um and I'm glad that I can help them in that way because like I said not all my kids have that sort of guidance um you know I remember in middle school not having a lot of guidance in many aspects of my life except uh educationally Um, And, you know, that's no fault to my mom or dad or anyone else. It's just it is what it is. Um, And so I think one of the biggest ways that I've helped my kids in their personal lives is letting them know that it's okay to talk. Um, It's okay to express your emotions. Obviously, don't get out of hand. Um, But it's okay to talk. It's okay to feel these emotions. Um, I teach primarily black and brown babies, okay? Mostly Hispanic babies, minority children, and you know in our culture, um, it is not... You speak fluent Spanish as well. I do. I do speak fluent Spanish. I have parent conferences. Mm. I'm a translator at the school. The kids are really surprised um, when I come in and I start speaking Spanish to them. But they love it, though. I connect with them that way. Um, But back to what I was saying, they're like, you know, just showing our minority community that it's okay to talk and feel and get through things and you don't have to remain silent um, whenever you're going through something or if you're happy. Mm-hmm. It's okay to express those emotions. And so seeing our kids open up from being like completely quiet at the beginning of the year and not used to learning how to express themselves um, and seeing them completely open up and then use those communicative uh, skills, you know, as they navigate school and their personal lives and they tell you their personal stories and um, triumphs and trials um, you know that right there is one of the ways that I feel like I help fulfill their personal lives uh, teaching is a two way street I'm a teacher but I'm also a lifelong learner and so my kids teach me lessons every day um, one of which is patience most definitely so I think that that's yeah. the way that they really help me out in my <laughs> personal life is you have got to have patience I teach 145 kids <laughs> from 8.50 until 2.37 p.m. So patience is a virtue. Oh, yeah, you need patience. I can, I can, I can help out patience every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, you definitely have to have a lot of patience, especially with, you know, eighth graders. You know, you might be six foot five in the eighth grade, but I still need you on that gray tile as we walk to lunch. Mm-hmm. I will say another area, it's kind of silly, but they also, you know, taught me the right hot Cheeto puff slash talkie to water ratio so that I don't cough and choke in front of the class when I try to... My kids bring me snacks. 
then yeah. you know me i'm you know i'm a little bit of a turkey i gobble 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 eat everything super super fast because i'm not this i'm not super patient and then i'm standing in front of the class like five minutes later trying to talk and they're like miss bond miss bond you, you need to, you need to get your water like uh you, you look like it i'm like so yeah it's, somebody take over the lesson or whatever so yeah they do they like miss bond you gotta take it easy i'm like okay so <laughs> okay so what's some creative like tips like you know you want to create that environment for for t- uh, students to be welcoming so what's some your your tips that you can give to teachers that creates that environment especially for first year and second year teachers i would say um and there's so much that goes into this there's so many layers to teaching mm-hmm. so much to unpack that unless you f- actually start teaching you wouldn't know um there's no book that can tell you there's no there's no website. I mean, there are things that can help you, but until you get your feet in the door on the first day, um, there's not really a formula to creating the quote-unquote perfect classroom. But I would say one of the biggest things is being transparent. Um, and what I mean by that is you don't have to expose your full self to your students absolutely not you know you are welcome to share what you want and keep what you want private what you want private Um, but you do want to have a level of transparency that is appropriate for the age level that you're teaching and you know the grade level that you're teaching like like you know it'd be awfully ridiculous for me you know teaching eighth graders who are asking me how to navigate their romantic relationships to pretend that I've never been in one (laughs) now if I've never been in one you know, then it is what it is. But, you know, to lie and act like, no, I've never had a boyfriend ever, ever, ever. You should never, ever focus on a boyfriend at this age. You know, when kids, you know, biologically or scientifically are falling in love or, you know, whatever they want to call it at this age, you know, you can't deny that. So just having a level of transparency. Um, I think being firm, but also being able to laugh and have fun with the kids is also really big. The, yeah, I've been that told down, that, that right. I've been told um, that I am a warm demander. Um, I've been called Auntie Bond, um, Grandma Bond. Some of my kids call me Mama Bond. Um, and I was like, why do you call me that? Um, and I realized that it ties back into this idea of a warm demeanor, which is you are friendly, but not a friend to the students. You are open, you are inviting, you are helpful, but when it's time to get stern, you are stern and you do not let the kids run over you. And they respect that so much. A lot of times kids are looking for guidance at this time. And if you don't provide them with guidance, if you're too friendly, and you can't, you know, be the adult that they need in their lives, or if you're too strict and too restrictive and cut off, then they're also not going to respond as well. So you need this balance in the middle, and it takes a lot. Not every, and not everybody has it. I'm going to be honest. Not everybody has it. It's, you know, it, it is definitely something that can be cultivated and built. Mm-hmm. Um, I just tend to have that kind of naturally, and I think it's a combination of me just kind of being like slightly militaristic in mind, but also like you know pretty goofy and pretty silly and just it just kind of meshes together so well where i just i don't really even think about it and then i just kind of look back at the end of the day i'm like wow that was a true like southern grandma moment i was just missing uh, missing the biscuit and gravy to go along with it um so i think that that's the biggest thing is be a warm demander let them know that you mean business 
but also let them know that you know you enjoy life as well exactly so how like for teachers that are naturally nice and you know think that you know they should run the classroom off kindness whatnot and some teachers sometimes get what like uh used for that or i'll say taking advantage taking of taking advantage of is the word and how could they make that switch for those who are like don't really know how how could they really change their mentality so it's really interesting it depends a lot on first of all the kind of environment that the kids come from mm-hmm. um you know i'll just use myself um when I taught sixth grade at a different school for student teaching, the kids had a lot of structure in their lives. The parents were always involved, always at the school. The kids came with a lot of respect. Um, they didn't talk back to the parents. You know, they had that structure. Um, so, you know, kindness was at the forefront um, which it should be of every classroom, but you didn't have to be as stern because they already came with those skills that were necessary to function in a public school, which most people don't know. There are a set of skills that have to be cultivated and developed within a child from birth in order to participate successfully in American schools. Uh, A lot of my kids at the school that I teach at, um, you know, don't have those skills. A lot of them come from different countries where things are done differently. Parenting styles are different. And so, um, and, and, you know, we, we include all cultures at the school, but, you know, there are certain ground rules that have to be followed, you know, per county or district guidelines or what have you. Um, and that trickles down into classroom management as well. Um, and so, you know, if you're the nice teacher who's always a friend, what you're going to find is that, Eventually, you're not going to have the respect because what kids, like I said, cling to is guidance. Mm-hmm. The kids, you know, believe it or not, do like to be corrected. Um, you know, when I was thinking, like when I was a kid, the teachers I respected the most were the ones who were harsh, but were also warm. And I knew that I could go to them for anything I needed. Those teachers who just handed out candy every day and were just a friend um, tended to not have, you know, their lessons organized or anything else organized and let kids run willy nilly because they wanted to be the kid's friend. Mm. I did not respect those teachers as much. I was still respectful, but I just kind of sat in the back of the classroom and I observed, um, you know, and, and everybody's different and, you know, teaching is not easy and that's no shade to those teachers. I just personally, you know, as a teenager, was just kind of trying to figure out when are you going to be the adult in this situation you Mm. always have to remember no matter what um because there are some situations that will test your ability to figure out whether you're the adult in the situation or not that you are the adult now that doesn't mean you need to rule with an iron fist but that means you need to be kind of like tire rubber you are flexible but you will not break Mm. you are still firm but you are flexible and i think if you can kind of rubber your way through teaching Um, and in your classroom management that you will have a much easier time. Um, When I was in seventh grade, we had the teacher that was going to be the friend to everyone. And by the end of the year, it turned into her getting her wedding ring stolen, kids just walking out of the classroom, people throwing pencils and paper. The classroom was a zoo every day. And I remember thinking when I was a teenager, like at first, I was like, oh, this is cool. This teacher's so lax, so cool. And then by the end of the year, the whole class was out of control. And I sat in the back of the classroom like, there has to be more to seventh grade social studies than this. Like, when are you going to put your foot down? Like, these kids keep pushing the envelope 
when are you gonna close the envelope and say enough is enough um teaching is definitely one of those things where you have to go in like a lion and you mm-hmm. stay a lion if you go in like from a lamb day one, or day like one from, from day before one. day one Okay. You have to plan. It's very methodical. It's very calculated. You know, everybody can't go in and teach. Um, you have to go in like a lion, like I said, and stay like a lion. If you try to go in like a lamb and then you try to become a lion, it won't work. Mm. Um, if you go in like a lion and become a lamb, you have a little bit more control because it's a decline. At least you started well, but it's all about consistency. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be a lion the whole way. A funny lion, but a lion. Yeah, a lion is. Yeah. Well, I mean, a female lion, sure. I mean, I'm a lioness, that's uh, yeah, fine. Yeah, a lioness. I mean, I have my little crown over here, you know, be queen, queen bond. <laughs> okay. So, like, what's some of your favorite moments that you would like to... Well, I'll say it like this. What's some of your... What is the goals that you want to see in your students? Every student that come past your door, what's your main goal for your students that leaves your room? Ultimately, you know, I just want them to be successful. You know, I know every kid that comes to my room. Successful in what way? Just so, many different ways. So I know every kid that, you know, comes to my room is not going to be a straight-A student. I know mm-hmm. they're not going to be a rocket scientist. You know, you may go get a job at McDonald's. Be the best burger flipper you can. Whatever it is, I just want you to make sure that you feel mm-hmm. like you have, um, you know, reached some personal goal, that you've gotten something out of this year and out of your educational experience. You know, you've got kids... They will come in your room and sit there all year long and literally not learn a thing about social studies. But they will definitely remember that you taught them how to tie a tie. Mm -hmm. And then they will go around helping other kids tie their tie. Or, you know, like the kid that I was telling you about, he didn't really learn much in his classes because he was always kicked out of them. But now he knows seventh grade stuff and he knows that he wants to go to college. He knows that college is attainable for him. And that's not saying that every kid has to go to college. But, you know, you do want to put that option out there for them. And he didn't even think that he could get in until we sat down together. And this is not related to the curriculum. This isn't part of the standard. He's not, he's not my kid. He's in sixth grade. I teach eighth grade. This is just me pouring into them little bits of knowledge and hope where I think they could use it. I could, sat, I could have sat there and taught him sixth grade language arts and social studies, but that's not what he needed in that moment. And so ultimately, I want the kids to, fig, to like feel like they got something or they've gotten something that they need from me. And if you feel like that I've served you in some capacity, um, whether it's, you know, I've helped you learn how to lift weights. I've done that. I don't have a weight training teaching certification. You know, I just took my rugby skills and used what I know from the gym to help kids learn how to lift weights, especially, you know, the guys, you know, as they start off football practice at the high school. Yeah. Um, you know, emotionally, you know, I've helped you figure out how not to lash out at people, you know, and now you're using those skills to better yourself. So, you know, I think there are so many ways and capacities to serve as a teacher. Like I said, my ultimate goal is just for them to experience some sort of success. Okay. So, so what's one thing you want, like, each kid to learn from you? Um, I just want all of my students whether I teach them or not to just know that it's gonna be okay and what I mean by that is you know you don't know everything that's going on in a student's life 
Um, sure, we have their personal files, or what have you. But you know, not all parents communicate with the school. Not all kids, you know, communicate what's going on. But I know that during those formative years in middle school, kids go through a lot, um, and we may not always see it, um, and they may not. They may feel like they don't have a way out. Um, I just want them to know that whatever it is that they're going through, that they will come out on the other side stronger and better, no matter how long it takes them, that whatever it is, it is going to be okay if you just breathe. Mm. And I, you know, I have to take that advice myself sometimes. You know, I'm sure you've seen plenty of instances where I'm just like not breathing and something yeah. is not okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though I know it will be okay. But in that moment, I'm just kind of like freaking out about it. Um, but then, you know, two hours yeah. later, it is okay. Uh, but, you know, for, for our kids, you know, you know, it, what uh, tickles me a little bit about adults is we sometimes forget that we were once kids. And, you know, people almost say it's not the end of the world or, you know, this person isn't going to matter in five years or ten years. But for those kids, that is their world. That it, They can't see that far ahead into the future scientifically and also just like from an emotional standpoint this is their world and so like everything that they go through in middle school you have to validate it you know and help them work through it and let them know that it's going to be okay i think one of the biggest mistakes a teacher can make is say uh is by saying oh it's not that big a deal or it's not the end of the world Mm because what you're in a sense telling them is that a it's not going to be okay and b it doesn't matter yeah. So you got to reverse that. So yeah, let them know it's going to be okay. Okay. So so what's your goals with teaching? What you want to do with your teaching that you say five, ten years from now or even later? You know, um, honestly, I came in with a plan. My plan was to be a classroom teacher for 30 years, um, pursue a doctorate, and that was pretty much it. Um, you know, I have some big decisions coming up within the next couple of years. Um, And this reverts back to the beginning of the interview when I told you I had some um, new opportunities presented before me. Mm -hmm. Um, I had no idea that my first year of teaching, which I thought was really chaotic, um, but I'm also my own biggest critic and I hold myself to really high standard and can be a little overly self-critical sometimes. But apparently it was one of the most amazing first years that administration has ever seen from a teacher fresh out of high school or out of college (laughs) sorry I look like I'm in high school but fresh out of college um and you know I was told that I was thriving not surviving um which opened the door for me to be the team lead so a leader of four teachers this year and I was asked to join a few programs and help spearhead a few initiatives um this year like I said I, I thought it was another really tough year um at work But apparently not, Um, so much so that I was asked to be grade-level chair, so I will oversee 35 other 8th grade teachers, Mm. um, all of which have more experience than I do in teaching. I'm still the youngest as far as teaching goes in school, um, with only two years under my belt. Yeah, and I'm I'm being asked to oversee um, an entire grade level and make executive decisions for the school. Um, I'm also being asked to oversee 8th grade social studies, so take over that department area. Um, I'm also going to coach Girls on the Run, which is a really cool program for um, teenage girls and elementary school girls too, um, to get into body positivity and running. And then I'm also being asked to collaborate with special ed, ESOL, and STEM. 
So I got a lot on my plate. Um, and I think what this is propelling me to is more leadership. Um, I've always kind of been a natural born leader. I don't like to follow. Um, some of that comes out of, you know, um, not liking being told to do, but also just kind of just like natural urge to just kind of take the reins, especially when stuff's going wrong. Um, and what it's leading me to is a career in administration. And I always said, okay, you know, I won't leave the classroom, yada, yada, yada. But now I realize, like, you don't have to be in the classroom to be in the classroom. And, I, you know, I, I see that. Difference. Yeah, and to difference. make a difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the hallway, <laughs> half the time, is my classroom. Either I'm teaching kids out in the hallway or, you know, loving on the kids that are in the hallway that aren't mine. Um, and so I'm looking at administration probably after about seven to eight years of teaching. Um, and then eventually becoming a principal of a school. Um, if I stay in the classroom for the next 28 years, you know, then it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm gearing more now, uh, now so, uh, more towards um, being a part of administration. And so I'm actually going to be pursuing my doctorate in a few years um, in educational leadership so that I can become an administrator and then eventually a principal. And who knows, maybe even a superintendent. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, make, making all the money, right? Yeah. <laughs> but more importantly, too. more importantly, <laughs> making sure that, you know, uh, you know, that policies are being set that, yeah. you know, don't disadvantage one group and, you know, making sure that, you know, everything is just fair and equitable. Everything doesn't have to be equal. Exactly. Things need to be equitable and fair. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense. So I have a few questions for you. Okay. If you don't mind me asking. I right. sure don't. So, it's, it's this random question. This is not going to be anything weird out of... Okay, so just a little hodgepodge yeah. of questions. Yeah, okay, like questions going to be, you know, directly based with the educational system. Okay, so, okay. So, you know, so how does social network networking influences the classroom environment amongst um, students? So... You know, there's a plus and a negative side to everything. Um, Unfortunately, we're seeing social media um, influence our children in a more negative light than a positive one. But you know what? I'm a teacher, so I'm going to sandwich it. Um, One of the positive things about social media in the classroom is that it connects people. Mm. And, you know, humans, you know, by nature are, you know, um, we like to connect. Um, you know, we, we need that we need that connection with other people who are similar to us and people who are different. And I think social media allows us to connect to each other. Um, I get to, you know, connect with my students on social media. I give them my teacher account at the end of every year um, so they can follow me and see like the two or three posts that post, you know, every year because, you know. Anything that involves a teacher outside of school is like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs, and the kids are fascinated, and I like to keep up with them. Um, even if I, you know, never really see them again in person, it's cool. Um, one of the things it has done, though, and this is actually this was actually part of my research for one of my master's courses that I just took and finished, um, is that it changes the brain. Um, and what we're seeing now is that the kids who are coming through middle, yeah, middle and elementary school are kids who have grown up with social media and this new technology in their face the entire time from birth and so the ways in which they learn act speak write think communicate are completely different 
from the ways that their teachers who, you know, a lot are like millennials or, um, you know, Gen X, not sure if I'm skipping a generation, Mm -hmm. um, but it's different. The brains are literally structured differently. And so that right there has been a struggle. You know, attention spans are not what they used to be. Uh, you know, it can be very hard, you know, somebody for someone who stares at a phone for eight hours a day to actually function in a traditional academic environment. Um, you know, that, that right there, I think, is our biggest, like, pushback against using social media is that it just it just consumes so much of the mind and it consumes so much time in the way that is not conducive to learning mm-hmm. to where important developmental um, milestones are not being reached in terms of their brain development. Um, you know, during the middle school years, teenagers undergo rapid, crazy brain changes. It's almost mm-hmm. like they're five years old again, yeah. redeveloping their entire brain. But if those connections aren't being made, then when they become adults, it's not going to magically happen. You know, after you turn about 25, your brain starts to degenerate again. So, you know, if you don't build those connections, huh. yeah. Your brain fully develops. At 25? By, by 25, your your brain should be completely developed. And once you go up, the only other direction is down. And you're not going to experience, you know, any sort of crazy brain, you know. Crashing. Yeah, right? crashing at 25. Yeah, no, you know, you forgot to take the laundry out. No, it's probably because you've been doing that your entire life. No, don't think like, oh, am I getting Alzheimer's at 25? No. But once you're at the top and you're fully there, the only way to go is down. So you can't go up from there there are ways to strengthen your brain but i'm talking about like from a scientific standpoint like your brain is technically supposed to be completely developed although there's science that's pushing that age closer to 30 to 35 but what we're seeing like i said is those kids not being able to function and perform at the appropriate level because of social media and just spending hours and hours and hours chasing this instant gratification online that is not real life and i can go we can do a whole other podcast on the idea of social media and instant gratification and what it does um but yeah, i will say that that is a struggle so parents please limit your kids screen time to no more an hour no more than an hour a day and monitor what it is that they are doing online because it is killing them in the classroom okay so what life skills do you uh, think should be provided to the students in the school middle school students like as in like uh, physical financial things that they really really need outside the regular like outside their school life that they would need in the future so I think so here's the thing and I you know I hear this a lot Everything they learned in school isn't useful. Mm-hmm. How I don't I don't need the Pythagorean theorem, but thanks, I you know, for like teaching that. me I that did. I could have used checking instead. Here's the thing: there is no such thing mm-hmm. as useless information. It's how you use the information that's given to you. There are people who sit in class and say, "I don't need to learn about you know the Civil War because it has nothing to do with me." Well, to someone else, that information may be useful because maybe they want to study, you know, the history uh, or American history or how, you know, the Civil War mimics, you know, things that are going on today. Or maybe they want to be a history teacher. So what's useless to you may not be useless to someone else. And here's what I say. You never know when you're going to need certain information. I sat in seventh grade math and I thought, okay, um, 
this doesn't really have much to do with what I want to, you know, do in life. But I'm going to stick it in my back pocket. I've always loved to soak up knowledge. Well, I needed seventh grade math in order to help my kid, um, you know, who I don't teach with his seventh grade math. Mm -hmm. So did I need that information right then and there? No. Did I need it in the future? Yes. It's always good to have as much information as you can in your back pocket, even when you think you don't need it. And that includes life skills. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. a lot of the people who write the policies, you know, and curriculum for the school don't think that life skills are necessary because we get into this idea of the standardized tests and what have you. Um, Luckily, in high school, you know, you are more open to take whatever courses you want to take. Um, you know, and high schools are starting to offer more life skills oriented courses, which I love. Um, but it's pretty much, you know, back in the you know 50s and 60s, there were a lot more um, vocational and life skills oriented courses. And the idea of standardized testing came and standardized testing does not teach life skills. It teaches, you know, reading, math, science, um, social studies, you know, and it teaches just the facts and these specific things you know, that are specific to the curriculum. And so life skills kind of went out the window. Um, And so I think that there needs to be a mix. Like I said, there is no such thing as useless information, even when the kids are scrolling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not useless. It's how you you process it and take it in. So I think, you know, that we do need to teach our kids about, you know, checking and credit. Um, And actually, you know, that is a part of some some, uh, school district's curriculum. It's just kind of lightly glossed over, though, at the very end. Yeah. After the major test. Yeah. After the major, right. After after the major, you know, milestones test or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think cooking and cleaning. I think, you know, uh, if you're thinking, you know, in terms of social, you know, tolerance for things for other people, even if you don't agree with their lifestyle tolerance and understanding um you know if you want to go into you know one of the um service careers such you know a police officer or you know a firefighter you know classes to help you kind of you know gear towards that you know i think more vocational training um would definitely help i think that you know people's class doing people's class yeah i think you know i think you know here's the thing (laughs) schools are not individual places Mm -hmm. they are designed to reach the masses in the most convenient way possible it would be impossible to have a school that teaches every life skill because that school will be too big let me tell you what that school is actually called the real world Mm. that's the true school the real world it's not these walls that are public schools okay it's not an elementary school it's not a middle school it's not a high school it's not a college It is the real world. That is your school. And every day you wake up is an opportunity to learn something. Mm -hmm. If you can't, if it's not taught in the four walls of the regular school, learn it outside of school. Use this world as your school. If you go into school expecting to learn every single life skill or you want that taught to your child, you will be sadly disappointed because by nature, schools are institutions, like I said, that are designed to reach the masses and to build a community and just give you that basic set of skills, you know, to function. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't teach everything. Okay, you can't, you can't, you really can't. Um, I, you know, the best way to learn is from experience. But I do agree that there needs to be a shift in the balance between 
standardized testing curriculum and life slash vocational skills. Yeah. There, we yeah. need more of the life skills. You know, you can't be, you can't be, you know, twenty five and you know, fit can't figure out that you know, uh, you know. You should not wash the white clothes with the dark clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but also that stuff could be learned at home. You right. You know, parents could parents. teach you that kind of stuff, right? You know, how did I learn how to cook? Um, you know, I watched my older sister cook, but my mom also said, you know, if you need to learn how to cook something, and I'm at work before you burn my house down, please call me, mm-hmm. and I will, you know, walk you through it, or start with microwaving stuff, and then I learned how to read directions, and you know, just kind of teaching myself okay or youtube guys anyway right literally like the whole internet is out here there is no reason not to know how to do anything unless you don't have internet access yeah that sucks um also uh should suspensions be allowed in school like the suspensions really work for students that get put on suspensions or you think they should be like uh I don't know. Uh, what, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Teaching is like in different ways. Do you way think it help. should be more of a restorative justice model? Yeah. And so this exactly is one of the biggest for. debates in education. Yeah. And honestly, when I tell you there is no correct answer, there is no correct answer because you have to take into account so many factors. Mm-hmm. First of all, where is this child coming from? What's their culture like? What are your beliefs, your biases, your perspective? What's your culture? What have you been doing? What have they been doing? What are their parents? doing what is society telling them to do yada 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 here's the short answer do suspensions work for everyone no are they completely useless also no Mm. personally i got suspended from school three times k through 12 which is you know i mean i'm not happy for those but it's quite impressive compared to what we see Mm. um nowadays it's all about what that suspension means for the child so for me my mom always said, you know, people can take anything from you. They can never take your education. Your education is the most valuable thing, your mind. Mm-hmm. When you go to school, you are going to school for your mind. Not to mind anyone else's business. You are going for your mind so that you can be, you know, as she put it in kitty terms, as smart as you can and make all the money you can and make me rich. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for me, I, and I always loved school and I always loved learning. And so when I wasn't in school, even for summer vacation, it felt like hell. Mm-hmm. You know, school meant so much to me and I loved it and I enjoyed it. And I was, you know, I've always been really goal oriented and I wanted to work towards being this, that, you know, I always wanted to make mama proud and I'm grandma, you know. Um, and so, you know, when I got suspended from school, I cared about my grades dropping. I was like, oh my God, I missed an assignment. I can't make <laughs> it up. I'm freaking yeah. out. Um, I know that I'm better than this. I know my teachers are disappointed in me. I'm disappointed in myself for not having that control to do whatever it is I needed to do to not be suspended. So personally, suspensions affected me. And I, you know, I had ISS a couple of times too. I did not enjoy being walked to the bathroom like I was in jail. Mm-hmm. That was enough for me. Twice for ISS, I didn't like it. I didn't like being a part of that group. Other kids enjoyed it and looked at it as a badge of honor. So you can look at it kind of as a learning opportunity. But if you look at getting in trouble as a badge of honor, then absolutely not. Suspensions are not going to work. Will restorative justice work? Maybe. And by restorative justice, it means making the situation right. But then you also have to take into account 
there are consequences in real life when you grow up for the things that you do. Um, and so it honestly is up to the individual student and the value of education that parents instill. Like I said, I know kids that cry over silent lunch. Mm. And for some kids, they're like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. It's just silent lunch. I'd rather have that kid not brush it off and cry about it and understand the seriousness of what they did and not do it again and take it to heart. Then it just be like, oh, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Because really all that I don't care does is end you. It just the end result is either jail or death, Mm -hmm. because eventually you stop caring about school. You stop caring about people around you. And eventually it just leads to if it didn't already start there, you're not really caring about yourself. And when you don't care about yourself, um, you just kind of have this nonchalant attitude towards any sort of authority or any sort of corrective, you know, punishment or restorative justice. And you just brush everything off. Then you end up in trouble, you know, once you leave the protection of your parents and they can't help you out. Um, You know, this goes back to, you know, age kids you know in school they're under the legal protection of their parents when they get in trouble they for the most part are still able to somehow be shielded from you know the true repercussions of what they've done because they are not old enough to make their own legal decisions and they're still considered minors the problem is is if you constantly you know allow them to get away with that kind of stuff and give them the slap on the wrist or, you know, create this sense of mama's always going to be here to protect you. And then they turn 17 or they commit a crime that's serious enough. They don't have the protection of their parents. It's almost too late. Mm. In fact, it is too late. Then it's like, here they are for the first time serving a true consequence with no bailout. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's a whole, you know, we could really do an entire series on school related topics. And that could be one of them. We could discuss the school to prison pipeline or, you know, how, um, you know, students are disciplined according to race, according to, you know, gender, sexual orientation. You know, there's so many layers. Like I said, teaching and schools are so packed and there's so many layers to it that there is no right answer. Mm. There's no right answer. Okay, perfect, perfect. So, you know, before we end it, uh, let people know how they can reach you, like especially the teachers that, you know, just getting started or uh, kids in college or inspiring uh, teachers that wants to be inspiring students that wants to be teachers. I'm sorry. How <laughs> <laughs> can reach you and, uh, by social fine. media or by email? Okay, you're looking at me getting a little tongue-tied. I get it. It happens. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I am I'm not the biggest user of my teacher uh, Instagram, but if you want to follow me, it's at Bond, like James Bond, the teacher. You are definitely welcome to reach out to me there. Um, the best way to contact me would be to reach me by email, and that's S D. B six zero three one two at uga.edu and you are more than welcome to hit my email with all types of questions. I'll answer as much as I can, and if I can't answer it, I will find someone who will. If you need access to resources or you just want to talk, um, you know I don't have to know you. That's fine, um, you know. But I will I will be here for you, um, you know, in order to help you feel like. You know that you're getting the help you need whether you want to be an aspiring teacher whether you might just be having a bad day okay reach out to me or whether you're a student who's listening you know needs to navigate life and you know needs a little bit of guidance you know i'm here for that too okay and you only got a year because you know 
<laughs> right. <laughs> that that, you, that right. UGA does not play about that uh, expired email. So you know, when you post this podcast Instagram, I need you to comment a year later with my new email address. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. All right. So we're going to end this here, and uh, definitely going to be another episode soon. Okay. Maybe I'll teach you, or maybe just about. You know, we we can sit here after um, uh, <laughs> after we watch a movie of my choice and figure out you know what we want to do our next series on. But yeah, I like the direction that this is going. I think that education is definitely something um, that needs to be discussed, especially in our community. So maybe we could look at moving into education within certain communities. I think that'd be cool. We okay. should roll that way. All right, perfect. So y'all guys enjoying Deuce. How-